Ever notice how popular culture is fascinated with the future? Movies seem to describe it in as amazing imagery as some preachers, and often as scary. But everyone uses imagery that we are familiar with. However, sometimes those images become more important than the narrative. It is easier to worship the image than to understand the message. It may take a thousand words to paint a picture, but if they are well thought of, biblically accurate words, perhaps people will begin to see beyond the beasts of Daniel and Revelation and comprehend the hope and love of God. Offering information for your mind. Enabling transformation for your heart. Sabbath School U. A weekly dialogue exploring God's Word and its application for today's world. I'm Andrew Campbell and this is Sabbath School University. Welcome. Well, we have two first-time guests and <laughs> one returning guest here with us, and I'm going to invite you to introduce yourselves to our viewers. I want you to give us your name, where you're from, what you're studying, and then since we'll be talking about the future today, tell me how you feel when you think about the future. Very good. My name is Jameson Wallington. I'm studying over at the seminary here, uh, my MDiv. We're from Southern California. This is my wife. And um, the future is both exciting yet can still be confusing when you think about it. How can you know the future? Yeah. yeah. Nice to have you, Jameson. Pleasure. I'm Christine Wallington, and also from Southern California, born and raised, <laughs> and then came out here also for my MDiv. So I'm in the seminary, second year. So you have classes together, I see. We, <laughs> we do. Some, okay. some. <laughs> I'm on a different track. I did have my undergrad in religion. Okay. And so, um, but as it comes to the future, I, I have an optimistic viewpoint, and so I try to hope for the best. But obviously, mm -hmm. with my Amnesty upbringing, I realize that there, there's going to be a time of trouble, and there's going to be, you know, a, a confusion, fear. Mm. But then I also have this hope that even beyond that, that the future is bright. Okay. Okay. My name is Jacqueline Peart, and I'm from Toronto, Canada. I'm a doctoral student at seminary, and for me, the future is hopeful. Mm. I feel incredibly happy to be alive at such a time as this to see history unfold and to realize that we're at the end. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, Christine, what can I invite you to read our key text for us, and then uh, pray, and then we'll get into the lesson. Yes. Daniel 8:14. He said to me, "It will take 2300 evenings and mornings. Then the sanctuary will be reconsecrated." Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Dear Lord and Savior, God and Creator, thank you for this time. Thank you for bringing us together and bringing us to your word and bringing us to a chance to see you in our world still today and to see that you are truly active and that you are engaging with us in a real way even today, Lord as we ponder and try to figure out the end and try to understand a little more of who you are, what you stand for, and what you are doing in our lives, Lord, I just pray that you come close to us in this time of study and that you reveal to us who you want us to be, but only because of who you are, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 
So we're talking about the eschatological day of atonement. That's mm-hmm. a mouthful. Yes. Uh, and uh, this is within, you know, obviously the, the theme for the quarter, the sanctuary. Um, so let's start out talking about the future. How do you describe a future that you don't know? <laughs> Can you describe a future you don't know? Good I question, mean, yeah. If you're, if you're thinking forward, I mean, there's so many possibilities. There's so many avenues. There's so many outcomes if you just want to think about the future. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, I'm, if I don't know it, mm. I can only imagine it. Yeah. And y- you're right when you th- talk about the, all the possibilities that exist because you think about how many decisions impact mm. other decisions mm. and other people's decisions and, or just cause and effect. It's, it's baffling to me to think about sometimes how interconnected things are and, you know, Sometimes you you have you ever wished you could go back and change something <laughs> in <laughs> in time or something like that, yes. and you think that if you could just change that one thing, then yeah. everything would be better. Mm. And somehow th- things are so interconnected that if you would change one thing, maybe everything. Yeah, everything yeah. Would be exactly. Yeah. I'm a new mother, and my hope is that their future is bright. <laughs> but then you always have the fear because you realize how much you've gone through in your own past and looking at your own child and what they may go through and all mm-hmm. the troubles that they're gonna have mm-hmm. and how you can't stop them from going maybe to high school or experiencing all that heartache that sometimes comes with that situation. But even so, I know and I have a viewpoint that the future still can be bright for my own life. Mm-hmm. You know, to realize that I can progress in a way that is helpful to other people. That I do have a future that you know, studying to be a pastor, I can maybe make a difference mm-hmm. right. in those around me mm-hmm. and try to understand people more in a way that's transformational, to work with God in a way that can that helps others and to maybe make our future a little more positive, even though there is a whole bunch of turmoil and yeah. trouble. Mm-hmm. For, for you personally, what does God have to do for you uh, um, in the future? I mean, how, how does God and being a Christian impact your outlook of the future? I think of the future almost like a road trip. (laughs) I don't often know what I'm going to encounter along the way, but I have a GPS guide that will tell me turn left. Sometimes it will give me a pictorial view of where I'm going. So I trust God that he's already been ahead of me. And because he's now leading me into the future, I don't have to be completely devoid of any feeling of, well, what if he doesn't know where I want to go? What if he takes me to the wrong place? Because he wants Mm. what's best for me. So I have to premise it on the fact that if I can't trust him enough to lead me into the future, then I really have no hope for the future. And then when I look back to see where we've gone in the past, and at times I wanted to make my own decisions, but he may have just kind of nudged me back on track, and it was the best thing for me. It kind of encourages me to say, okay, he will do the same thing up, up ahead. So I'm encouraged to know that it's the same God that's leading me mm. who's going to take me into the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you look at books like Daniel and Revelation that have implications for the present and the future, mm-hmm. um, does that somehow give you a sense of security, a sense of hope, knowing that God has somehow shown us a, like a, a he's charting the path for us? Mm. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting with Daniel and Revelation and some of these books. It there is a lot of hope mm-hmm. and a, and a lot of comfort in these books, but you have to you have to take um a lot of effort 
to understand these books too. You know, it's not always just cut and dry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the hope is there, and it it, it and it and it screams to us sometimes. Mm. But sometimes I can look at this stuff, and I and I feel hopeless at times. You know, okay. I'm, I'm missing something. I don't understand something, and so it's that type of of tension between we have the hope, but but sometimes there's confusion mm-hmm. in my understanding, in my interpretation, and in how I'm reading something that I may not fully understand or, or fully grasp. Okay. And so I have to keep pushing forward. Yeah. Well, I'd almost say with Daniel Revelation, we have not necessarily proof, but something that God is trying to, you know, to interpret to us, to somehow show us. I mean, even in our text for today, it goes into right after that, that while Daniel was watching the vision, someone came by him, an angel came next to him to try mm. to interpret right. and to share it. So it's not even that the future is being shown to us to make us have doom and gloom in our lives, but it's to show us that there is hope mm-hmm. and to show us that all these things, these beasts, whatever else symbols here can be explained to us in a way that gives us encouragement for life, wow. not to feel like we want to maybe even kill ourselves or wow. right. to react in a way that's detrimental to life. Yeah. And, you know, for, for many people, that concept might be revolutionary because when when we think about Daniel and Revelation, oftentimes you you associate those books with the fear yeah. um, that, mm-hmm. that many preachers, many people have instilled in people that, you know, these, these books are, are full of, you know, these fearful mm-hmm. images. And we miss the the message of mm-hmm. hope mm-hmm. that it is yes. God who's in control and, and you know if he can tell us what is going to happen and we've seen evidence that he's been right all along mm-hmm. that we can have a lot of hope yeah. and and for the future and we can feel very secure in him so now going to the book of Daniel um, using imagery that the audience of today can understand uh Daniel described oh, oh using imagery imagery that the audience of his day can can mm. understand Daniel describes world powers to come what does the little horn power attack if you look at uh Daniel 8 which is where we're focusing and you 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 have this idea of how the angels telling him what uh you know what world powers are coming in you have Medo Persia that comes in and then you have you have um uh, Greece that comes in, and then the little horn comes in. Okay. And this little horn is is attacking the the concept of who Jesus is, and and this is a, a broad picture. Um, but the little horn comes in, and and he he's changing something. Something is changing in this in this history of of the earth that causes the attention to go from Christ for some reason to this little horn. Okay. And I think that's what we're going to be looking at this evening is is to to find out where this little horn, you know, is in conflict okay. with Christ. Now, you mentioned Medo-Persia and, and Greece. Are you saying that the Bible predicted that, you know, those kingdoms would arise? It seems to be what the angel told Daniel. Yeah. And, you know, what he wrote down and and uh, where where Daniel was so confused, you know, like, like my wife said, with with having the angel have to interpret. Okay. You know, there was there was a reason the angel had to interpret because Daniel wasn't grasping all this himself when he first saw mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And so the angel comes in and says, here's the kingdoms that are going to come in, and this little horn is going to attack. Okay. Okay. So now, uh, this little horn is somehow interfering with, with worship, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, how how does this little horn interfere with worship? And then also, are we sometimes in danger of mimicking that type of interference? Mm. I think that the little horn, even in the text, it says that he attacks heaven and earth. Even like it, okay. it goes beyond even our you know history and looking at the Greece, the media, Persian, all this, mm-hmm. and it goes into attacking Christ himself, the prince of princes, mm-hmm. it says. Yeah. And and I think that we can see that applying it to our own worship service. We can see that in the very act that we sometimes like to lean on a mediator of our own. Mm-hmm. We may not say it that way, but when you there's a feeling of, well, I wasn't prayed for because the pastor didn't pray for mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. or I wasn't, you know, whatever it may be. It, we didn't really have worship because the pastor didn't do the sermon oh. or whatever it may be that we try to say that the pastor has to do something for it to be legit mm-hmm. oh, okay, I think okay. that may be a concern that we have today where it looks like we could be creeping into that kind of interference of worship where it's not no longer me focusing on God but me focusing on what maybe the pastors or even another leader I mean wow. insert anyone there you know in a smaller church setting maybe yeah wow so well, go ahead well I think sometimes even when we worship sometimes it's, it's as if God isn't enough the wow. way we want to embellish worship, it's almost like the other aspects of worship that has to be there because God isn't enough. And I think as we mm. read, we realize that even in reading scripture, there are times when you can sit down and, and compare scripture to scripture. And as you pray, the Holy Spirit is there to open your understanding. Because just like Daniel, he got the vision, but he didn't understand it. Yeah. Right. And how many times mm-hmm. God will want to speak to us, but we think... You know, you had to go to seminary to get that message, and uh-huh. I didn't go to even high school. Mm, mm. And I think a lot of time we put so much focus on people's qualifications, yeah, education, mm-hmm. and that it's almost as if God can only speak to certain types of people. And I think that's something we have to really demystify, that it's the Holy Spirit who communicates with us, and he can do through choose whomever he wants. Wow. Yeah. 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 You know, I'm reminded while we're talking here in First Peter, chapter 2 it talks about us being a chosen generation mm-hmm. a royal priesthood a, a holy nation mm-hmm. you know and i think this attack of the little horn on, and and how it can creep into our own traditions um is that we forget that we're all a chosen people meaning you know we're all god's people mm-hmm. you know if, if yeah. we're god's people we're chosen mm-hmm. we belong to god yeah and mm-hmm. what happens with the little horn then is that that these we get sidetracked and some people are now more chosen than others. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. so. right. And so then we look up to those as being better off or, or closer to God or, or whatever the situation may be. And, and we forget that we are all God's children. Wow. Yeah. So then you end up having humans taking on a role that only God mm-hmm. should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, uh, that obviously uh, puts us right in line with what this little power is doing because mm-hmm. it's it's usurping mm-hmm. God's mm-hmm. position, right. his mm-hmm. authority. Yeah. Um, yeah. So with all this interference and confusion that has been inserted into worship through the ages, how can we still maintain that God is still in control? Um, in my prayer, I don't know if you noticed, I like to remind myself that God is still in control mm-hmm. and that God still intervenes even today. In Adventism, we have this beautiful present truth idea that we're still trying to understand I think even though it's got age to it but the reality is is that we can still see God working today 
and that we still we allow even in our beliefs a place for God to work and if anything we should allow for that that interceding to happen more often from Christ Hmm. and I think that helps us as we venture forward and as we understand a little more of who we are who God is and how to kind of bridge that gap that we've often put interfering between us and God Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think also building off of that um, you look at the life of Christ and you see his death on the cross and so many times you know you're asking where 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 does God fit in where where is God how can he be active and involved in our confusion that we have today mm-hmm. and you something that that just that just hit me was I was reading um, and it it talks about how God is in our suffering He's in our confusion. Mm-hmm. He's he's mm-hmm. in our trials. He's mm-hmm. in our burdens. Even though sometimes he seems so silent, mm-hmm. he's he's there. And and our key text and and the book of Daniel then I think build upon that and give us that hope of how we can say that God is there. You know, there's there's a there's a prophecy. There's something to it, mm-hmm. uh, to the Bible, to to this hope that we have. It's not just well. It's not just a. a a rosy picture of oh I can say Jesus is in my heart I can also say Jesus is there and because he's there I have this future hope because of what we're studying here today yeah, yeah. but I think s- there are times we have difficult situations and say for example at church you might hear there's a case and we come collectively together we pray and we see God intervene yeah and so there's evidence if we choose to find it that God is still in control yeah. I think he's just imagine if he wasn't in control how much you know, the enemy would attack us mm-hmm. in terms of there'd be no one there vetting his his at- his assaults and we would just be totally defenseless. Mm. Yeah. And I think sometimes when we're persecuted, we think, well, why is God allowing this to happen to me? But mm. when we look through scripture and through history, we see there are many followers of Christ who lost their lives for the cause. Mm. And so that's just part of the course. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that God is not in control. I think there'll come a day when he'll say enough is enough. Mm. But until such time, we have to just, you know, yeah. keep pressing on and when you look at history right and you see that there there have been a lot of atrocities that have been committed even by pr- self-proclaimed Christians um, people that claim to be doing this in the name of God um, it's it's tough sometimes to to look in history and mm. and to see that kind of behavior on the part of God's children mm-hmm. and and then say God is in control you know God is God is still leading but one of the one of the things that that I have found to be helpful is that I I've come to recognize that just because God is able to bring good out of evil mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that he intended for the evil to happen mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so you know God I- God is really powerful and and he's able to take Mm -hmm. some really terrible circumstances and out of that he's able to bring wonderful things um and and i'm i'm reminded from time to time that just because he's that powerful and he can bring good out of evil doesn't mean that he intended for the evil Mm -hmm. to happen Mm -hmm. now we've been talking about Daniel. Uh, Daniel talks about the 2300 evenings and mornings. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. What happens 
at the end of that prophecy and how does that make a difference in our lives today? Well, I'm going to pick it up at... Uh, now, where do I want to pick it up? I'm going to pick it up somewhere. I'll just pick it up at Daniel 8.13 okay. and then do a little recap. Daniel 8.13 says, Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, How long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifice and the, and the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Okay. 2,300 days is is um, what verse 14 says. Then something's going to happen. Yeah. So we look at look at what happens at the end of this period, and the Bible tells us the sanctuary will be cleansed. Okay. So then we have to know, well, what's what's the sanctuary? What what can I say? Sanctuary is that you know is that local here at my mm-hmm. church is that in another <laughs> state you know what is what is a sanctuary? What is a sanctuary yeah. And I think I think the the best way to understand this is to say that this is symbolic language mm-hmm. of of what's happening because the Bible says that it's a, a time prophecy of the twenty three hundred days and the sanctuary is not an earthly sanctuary mm-hmm. it's a sanctuary in heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have Exodus and Hebrews that tell us that the sanctuary that they had in the wilderness was a pattern right of sh- something yeah. exactly yeah. a pattern a shadow of things to you know in all these yeah. all these clues that kind of help us recognize that there's something bigger something something more grandiose okay. than than what Moses constructed in mm-hmm. in in Exodus okay um and so it will be cleansed so what does that mean it it's a restoration mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a renewal it's a it's a internal cleaning of not only this this heavenly sanctuary but the the lesson also brought out about how it it's cleansing the people too god's chosen people okay and so we have Mm -hmm. both of these parallels with the way that the hebrew words or whatever are used in daniel yeah but but it's just showing that there is a cleaning Mm a um a redeeming Mm -hmm. aspect to the end of this time period yeah Mm -hmm. and you know okay the the title for the this week's lesson is the eschatological day of atonement right. and for the esch- es- eschatology really means the study of end time mm-hmm. events particularly from the biblical perspective mm-hmm. and um y- this is obviously a, a, a very complex topic and mm, it's yes. it's yeah. tough to really discuss it in any depth and detail in half an hour right um but it the the last lesson was on the Day of Atonement. And so now what this lesson is really looking at is how that particular uh, Leviticus 16, how that Mm -hmm. is pointing forward to something that happens very far in the future. Here it says, you know, 2300 evenings and mornings. And um, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, perhaps some similarities that you might see or how how do you take the mm. day of atonement mm. from mm. Leviticus 16 and and make applications to what is happening here you know where where Daniel is talking about here the lesson brought out something that hit me hard in that respect was that the day of atonement and the sanctuary and everything that was revolved around was to bring god and people into right relationship mm-hmm. and to bring people back into a transformational relationship, mm. a relationship that 
will blossom into even something more. Because, you know, God's intention for Israel was to make them a blessing to all nations. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And to be that, not only an example, but to be that light that shines further than themselves. And that's kind of what the hope that we've adopted as the Adventist Church is to, to grab a hold of mm-hmm. this and to become that light. Mm-hmm. Right. And to somehow be a people that are in right relationship with God. Yeah. And so I would say, if you had to bring it down to its bottom line, mm-hmm. that is, that's what the Day of Atonement, that's what eschatological, all of this comes down to is having a right relationship with God and everything else just kind of falls into mm-hmm. place. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. So, I mean, we're almost out of time. Um, when you read Daniel 8, when you've studied this, this lesson, what can we take from this lesson? What can we take from this chapter and apply to us today? In a in a practical sense, I think there's hope. I mean, you look around, you see so much atrocities in nature, man against humanity, and you think, God, when is ever going to end? Mm-hmm. And as we see this, we realize there's coming a time when God will vindicate those who have been, you know, done mm-hmm. against. God is going to put an end to evil, and so we realize that all this was to remind us that it's going to come to end because God right. is still in control. It mm-hmm. looks like He's silent, but it's not that He's He's removed from our issues. Mm-hmm. But there will come a time when sin will die. Mm-hmm. And so until such time, we have this hope as we look. Because when Daniel saw this, he had no clue what it meant. But we now are living in the future wow. right. where we have seen that this came true. Mm-hmm. So it gives us the hope to hold on that Jesus said, I will come again. So that is the thing we're hoping for and looking mm-hmm. towards, even if the situation now doesn't look like it's doable. Yeah. So that's, for me, the nutshell yeah god has been showing that he is faithful he's true and he's just hmm. and so whether i can see it in the moment i have enough history to remind me that he has kept his word throughout yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. what about you i mean any last thoughts from from our study that that you found that just really touched you or that made a difference my question has always been um this kind of I think all of us have kind of wrestled with is why are we still here? Why mm. is it still continuing? Why? I mean, even Daniel kind of wrestled with that, that why is it continuing so? Mm-hmm. And I don't have the answer for that. If anything, I like to have, you know, people pose because I'm always wondering. But the reality is we are here and that we have been given an opportunity to become, to enter into a right relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can take a hold of that promise, take a hold of that purpose in our lives and see where it leads mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's kind of my my focus is okay say lord i want to have a relationship with you that's right therefore tell me what this looks like show me what that looks like and how is that going to change me and my other relationships yeah yeah plus i think it gives us an opportunity to share with others mm-hmm. if they don't already know that yeah. god has been faithful and he's about to come so they can come in right relationship with him because it's not too late yet yes. absolutely yes. Mm-hmm. absolutely well, I really enjoyed discussing this lesson with you. It's a very tough lesson to, to yes. discuss in such a short period of time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, I, I really hope that our viewers were able to get a glimpse and have their appetites just wet a little bit and want to go back to Scripture and, and study it mm-hmm. some more. Um, if you would like to join in on the discussion, visit our Facebook page off the link on our website at www.sabbathschoolu.org. That's www.sabbathschool, the letter U, dot org. For Sabbath School University, I'm Andrew Campbell, and we'll see you next week.